Hey, Mike. Hey, what? What do you call a Catholic service that is very, very important? Uh, I don't know. A critical mass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome uh, to the Pactum. This is episode 104 on Roman Catholicism. And today we are going to talk about this important topic because we, we love Roman Catholics. Yep. And there are lots of them, yes. even where we live. And we're Protestants. And so there are major differences between us. And we think it's helpful to discuss those differences, hopefully in a somewhat charitable way. Maybe not perfectly charitable, but somewhat charitable. Mike, are you feeling... Charitable? I'm feeling charitable. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> oh, give us man. a preview of what all we're going to cover today as we talk about Roman Catholicism. We're going to talk about as far as Roman Catholicism is concerned, we're going to talk about what we like. We're going to talk about significance of the differences, some okay. of the major differences yep. between Protestants and Roman Catholics. We're going to talk about maybe some objections and maybe even some advice to Protestants as we consider Roman Catholics and how we can <laughs> talk with them, the jokes we can and can't tell. So since we did open with a joke today, I just, you know, typed in Catholic jokes and I guess we could type in Protestant jokes, but I'm, I'm there's sure a site that says hilarious Catholic jokes that jokes that everyone should memorize. And so uh, the second one on the list was, what do you call a sleepwalking nun? A Roman Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, oh, if you man. are Catholic answers and you're critiquing Protestants like us, maybe you can type in Protestant jokes and you can tell some Protestant jokes. I'm and sure there are. I plenty. hope you're laughing with us and I hope we can laugh with you. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. okay. Wow. So we're going to talk about Roman Catholics, Indeed uh, Catholicism, excuse me, not the Catholics per se. Uh, let's start by talking about what we appreciate about Catholicism. Yep. What's to like? What's to like? We like the people. We like the people. We mentioned that, right? Yeah. Yep. I have friends who are Roman Catholic. I have had friends who are Roman Catholic and uh, they're some of the sweeter people that I know. Yep. Uh, so there's that. We yep. like Roman Catholicism because it's not Pelagian. Um, sure. We've talked yeah. about Pelagianism before. Remember, Pelagius taught that people were basically good. They they're not sinful. Uh, so there's Pelagianism, semi-Pelagianism. There's Augustinianism. So we like it that they think people are sinful. Yep. Yeah. And so if true. you read the Roman Catholic Catechism, uh, even as a Protestant, you're going to hear a lot of things in there. Read a lot of things that are actually really good hmm. because they believe in sin. And the effects of sin, even if they don't believe it, just like we do. Right. So, yeah. But yeah. there's that, right? Yes, that is good. We like it that they're clear as far as like the Council of Trent, uh, though it offends me greatly. Mm, I like yeah. the fact that there once was a time when they were very clear <laughs> were about clear. what they believed and didn't believe. And they weren't saying we're all one big happy family. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you believe. Uh, and we can appreciate that because, you know, there's a lot of stuff nowadays where it's all just about subterfuge and let's try to confuse people and not really say what we mean. It's and true. That's, yep. It's helpful that they're clear, at least at a time. I think everyone should read the documents and uh, y because it's not, you know, blessed if you do, blessed if you don't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it might be blessed if you do, anathematized if you, you don't. don't. <laughs> so there's that. We think there are helpful opponents uh, as far as sometimes I say sparring partners. Hmm. So I li actually like reading Robert Bellarmine, who was like the arch rival to Protestants. Sure. Because at least it's good to hear what he has to say by way of critique. Even if I don't agree with him, it'll sharpen my arguments as a Protestant. So we like him for that reason. We like it that they, oh, you know, are pro-life and pro-morality in so many ways. Sure, we, yeah. We can appreciate Roman Catholics and even Roman Catholicism in a certain sense. Right, yeah. 
But it kind of stops maybe there. Do you have sure. anything else to add to the list? No, I don't think so. What about, have you ever been to a fish fry, Roman Catholic fish fry? I've never been to a fish fry. Um, See, I, I was wanting to appreciate that, but I haven't been either. I've never been. I, I, I wouldn't be able to participate with my allergy and such to oh, all things this is true. shellfish, fish of all kinds. But you know what? I have been to one of their um, like pasta feeds. Oh, sure. Yeah. I appreciated that about Roman Catholicism because for not very much money, I could get some uh, mascacioli <laughs> or whatever it was that they gave me. And it, yeah. it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I have been to a couple uh, Roman Catholic funerals. Uh, but other than that, that's about the extent of my experience. Okay. And we probably wouldn't appreciate those for reasons we're going to talk about. Right. Yes. we might be appreciative of those who've passed. Yes. Okay. So we have things that we appreciate and what we like, but they're... There are some major, significant differences, right, with Catholicism, Protestants. Uh, talk about, for a minute, the significance of those differences. So the big big one that we have to talk about that is sort of the elephant in the Pactum recording studio. Yes, he's uh, over on the sofa. It has to do with the gospel, because if we believe that salvation is by grace through faith plus what we do, that's one version of the gospel. Uh, and if salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, uh, that's, that's a different take. And so when we read Galatians, uh, it, you can't have it both ways. So right, it's yeah. either faith plus what you do or faith in Christ alone. Uh, but we're, we're not both playing on the same team right. if we're differing over a gospel issue like that. We live in a day where people say, you know, everything is a gospel issue. Well, that's not the case. But you know what is a gospel issue? The gospel. The gospel, yes. <laughs> so in Galatians 1, 8 and 9, we have repetition, but it really, really is important. And uh, dear listener, uh, Protestant listeners, Roman Catholic listeners, we, we can't both be right on this. And so that's what makes this such an important topic. And I mm. say we can't both be right because the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 1, 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Mm. That's that anathema word yeah, that Rome yeah. likes to use at the Council of Trent. And then in the, ne in the next verse, he says essentially the exact same thing. Yeah. Must be important. Yes. Yes. So uh, the issue in Galatia, in the Galatian heresy, it's not whether or not Jesus was a human. It wasn't whether he was divine. It wasn't whether or not even he was raised from the dead. Uh, the issue really was and is in Galatians is do you receive uh, the benefits of Christ by faith or by faith alone? Is it by faith plus what you do, keeping the law of some kind, or is it freely by faith and by faith alone. And Protestants say it is sola fide. It is by faith alone that we receive the benefits of Christ. And Rome says it's by faith, but it's plus what you do. And so this, this is worth rolling up our sleeves and fighting over because again, uh, Regardless of what postmodernism might articulate, we can't, sure. we can't both be right. No, we can't both be right. This is not a situation where it's my truth and that's fine for me. And whatever you think, <laughs> that's good for you. And we'll go with that and we'll all see you at the end. Indeed. It's not that So the Reformation thing. actually matters. Yes. And uh, I would encourage you to, to, to own this particular issue and have, have this issue settled. Because we're not just talking about different denominations now. Uh, really, right. we yeah. end up talking about different religions if one gets you to heaven and the other one damns you. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, significant difference, as we're saying here. This is a big deal. Yep. It doesn't mean we can't appreciate people who are Catholic or Protestants and vice versa. Right. Right. Because we believe in the image of God and we believe that um, people who aren't even part of our religion can do relative good and all of those kinds of things. We're not calling for hatred. We're not calling for um, physical animosity right, or anything right, like yeah. that. 
but we've got to get the gospel right. And Paul says in Galatians, he talks about being bewitched. Mm, these are, yeah, these yeah. are strong kinds of terms that we need to come to grips with. Yeah. So we need to talk about differences. Yeah. I say that was, that's a, that's a significant difference we need to be aware of, but what are some of the major differences if we look at some different theological, maybe even categories or areas that are different for Protestants and Catholics? We have a pretty big pactum list here today. Uh, we do have a big, so big pactum hang list. in there as you're listening because this is actually critical. It it's is. important. So we, let's start by talking about justification. Right. Uh, when God, that legal forensic designation, when God declares sinners righteous, um, is what we would say as Protestants. Um, but here's what ca- the Council of Trent, Session 6, Canon 11 says. And I appreciate the clarity, though um, I don't appreciate the content. Right. Here we go. If anyone says that men are justified either by the sole imputation of the justice or righteousness of Christ, uh, I would, uh, yep, yep. My, my hands up, I'm gonna go for that. Uh, or by the sole remission of sins to the exclusion of the grace and the charity which is poured forth in their hearts by the Holy Ghost and remains in them, or also that the grace by which we are justified is only the goodwill of God, let him be anathema, let hmm. him be accursed. Hmm. So we would say that is a condemnation that is a damnation and anathematization I, that sounds an, good an, an <laughs> anathematizing <laughs> of of what the gospel is right yeah uh, and so these those are fighting words uh they're clear words but they are fighting words and we would say they've damned the gospel right because the, it is by the sole imputation of the righteousness of Christ. We believe that Christ's righteousness, his obedience to the law, is credited to the sinner, imputed to the sinner by faith and only by faith. And we believe that because of Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, four 5, yeah. et cetera. It, yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, that that's really what becomes a huge issue. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, it says that we as Christians, those who believe in Jesus, are found in him, united to him, not having a righteousness of my own, Paul says, yeah. that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Mm, yeah. So it, it is an alien righteousness, and by that we mean it comes from outside of outside, us. Yeah. It's not us. It's not ours. It's not merited by us. It's not in, inherent in us. Um, it's not even made in us by God with right. God's help. It's actually uh, credited to us by faith. Mm. So that's, that's where we would want to start. Yeah, I, Mike. So many times we go back to Romans four or five. It must be the theme verse in so many ways. Sure, yeah. a touchstone verse. Right. Yeah. So faith is counted as righteousness. Uh, well, but that's not to the one who works, but the one who believes in Him who justifies the ungodly. Mm, yeah. So that's a, a big one for us when we would talk to people who are who are our friends who are Roman Catholic, and we want to point out God justifies the ungodly. He doesn't justify the godly. He doesn't justify the do-gooders or obedient ones or sanctified ones. In a state of ungodliness, God justifies you. He declares you righteous even Mm. though you're ungodly. And how does that happen? It's by faith. It's by faith in Christ. Yeah. That's very different. So I could never be a Roman Catholic uh, and affirm what they have articulated at the Council of Trent 
while believing Romans 4, 5 or Philippians chapter uh, 3, verse 9, as well as other texts like in Galatians. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Mary. We, I think we could we could close. <laughs> I, I was about to say let's close in prayer. Well, but <laughs> we, could, we could be done. Yes, we but, really could. But stay tuned, yeah, there's listeners, more. for more. Yes. But we really should start there. The issue uh, that we would say is of first importance in a lot of ways. Right. So another major difference, uh, let's talk about Mary. Mediation and Mary. Okay. Uh, talk about the differences there for Roman Catholics, Protestants. All right. I have a quotation here. This is from EWTN, um, a Catholic site, and it says, closely related to the Catholic teaching on Mary's cooperation in the redemption, red flag, mm. right? So Mary yeah. is somehow involved in redemption, in redemption. Uh, is the teaching that with through and under her son, she is mediatrix of all graces. Hmm. So that that's that that's, that's problematic. Yeah. So now we have her involved in redeeming us. Um that's a major problem given the fact that first Timothy two five says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Right. Yeah. So now we have her introduced um at a pretty official high level. I know maybe not all Catholics. We're trying to use official kind of documents, and that's not an official document, sure. though I think Father William G. Most at EWTN would be pretty mainstream Catholic. Sure. Um, yeah. And so that that's a major problem. Yeah, it is. It's kind of it's I, I enjoy talking to Roman Catholics a lot, even about Catholic theology, because a lot of folks actually don't even know what their church teaches. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean it's it gets the, the conversation going. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So ask your Catholic friends what the Immaculate Conception of Mary is. Hmm. And a lot of times what do you think they say? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of times they say, well, that's the virgin birth of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So she was virgin. And well, actually, no, that's not it. Immaculate conception is uh, that she was conceived, she was conceived immaculately. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, it means she never sinned. I have a book here in front of me. Well, she never sinned, but she was conceived without sin. I have a book here called The Glories of Mary, hmm. and it is a, a rather blasphemous book from hmm. my perspective. But here uh, it says that it was fitting that each of the three divine persons should preserve Mary from original sin. Hmm. So she had no original sin. No original sin. So I, I, I like using things like that with friends of mine because then I think maybe they'll listen to other things I have to say. Yeah, sure. So Yeah, absolutely. Pope, Pope John Paul II, were you were you alive, Mike, when his funeral was had? <laughs> when when was that? I, 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 th I think you were alive. I don't remember. I might have been alive, but I might not Let's know about see. It. I don't even have the date here in front of me. But interestingly enough, uh, when he went on his coffin, I think it was a coffin, not a casket. You mm. know the difference? I don't. I think the casket is rectangular and the coffin, coffin has the, has the toast, toast masher Dracula thing. Oh. It's more, really? it's more European. Oh. Anyway. I did. The things you learn here on the pack. We used to have a funeral director as a member of the church. Here, That's so. true. We did. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd like to have a coffin. That, that's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> on the coffin <laughs> with the cross was an M next to it for Pope John Paul II, and the M stood for Mary, Mary. because mm. his ministry was dedicated to Mary. Um, what I looked up was his personal motto, which is embroidered on the side of his robes in Latin. I'm not a Latin scholar, but totus tus sum Maria. I'm told that translates Mary. I'm totally yours. Wow. Which seems pretty wow. weird for Christians, right? Yeah. 
right? Yeah, it seems that's pretty wild. strange if you if you're a Bible reader, yeah. uh, and you mm. don't know much about Catholicism, you're like that. That doesn't that's, seem right. No, it doesn't. It's not that we don't love Mary. We think she was a. We used to say privileged, but we're not allowed to say that anymore in our that. culture. But yeah. we think she was a privileged privileged person uh, that God used wonderfully and greatly. Yeah. But she needed salvation from Jesus. Yes, and uh, there's no real reason to believe that she was. Uh, without sin. Uh, we're not even getting into the fact that in Roman Catholicism, they teach that she never died. Hmm. Um, but that's a whole nother story. Whole nother we'll, we'll leave that off of our list. Okay. So moving on the list here of significant uh, and important differences, major what? differences, uh, the Eucharist. Let's, t- let's talk about the Eucharist. Uh, how about for starters in the catechism of the, of the Catholic Church? Yeah. Uh, it says 1378. I think that's a paragraph marker. Yep. Worship of the Eucharist. Hmm. So we, <laughs> I don't know about that. Pactum, Pactum listeners, uh, Mike Grimes, <laughs> co-host here of the oh. Pactum that has several listeners. We do have uh, several. He's like, uh, I'm, I, already I, I, I'm already nervous. I'm already nervous. I don't think that really is a good idea. How about if you keep reading after it says uh, yeah, yeah. worship of the worship Eucharist. Worship of the Eucharist. In the liturgy of the Mass, we express our faith in the real presence of Christ under the species of bread and wine by, among other ways, genuflecting or bowing deeply as a sign of adoration of the Lord. The Catholic Church has always offered and still offers to the sacrament of the Eucharist the cult of adoration. So there is the worship yeah. of the Eucharist. I guess the Eucharist. Yeah, that that's that's pretty bizarre. That that um, really is. That's pretty strange. Genuflecting. Now maybe it makes logical sense if it actually is Jesus. Well, and if it's actually Jesus, then you would worship it. Yeah. Um, but it, we don't believe that it's we actually yeah. Jesus. We believe he ascended and is seated at the right hand of the father. He sent his spirit uh, until he returns. Right. But do note that it does say worship of the Eucharist. And this isn't some kind of backwoods person who says they're a Roman Catholic who came up with weird ideas. Right. No, uh, yeah. That's from the catechism of the Catholic Church. That's official doctrine to worship the Eucharist. So that's a problem that relates to the Mass, and uh, also in the Catechism regarding the Mass, it does in fact say, in this divine sacrifice, so it mm. is a sacrifice, yeah. mm-hmm. which is celebrated in the Mass, the same, how about this, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and is offered in an unbloody manner. Mm. So it is a sacrifice. It is actually him. Uh, and so no wonder he is worshiped. Uh, and Rome also says in the Council of Trent, session 13, mm. if you don't affirm this, uh, let him be anathema. Wow. Uh, and so we don't affirm it. We don't think you should worship uh, the Eucharist. And so and we don't think it's actually Jesus. We right. don't think it's a new sacrifice yep. in an unbloody manner. So we are under the damnation, mm-hmm. the official damnation of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and it might not feel good to experience that, but I'm at least glad to know uh, how how they see me uh, in my my spiritual state. Right, yeah. Um, we're not mm. playing for the same team. There is a difference. Yeah. Council of Trent, session 22, uh, that the sacrifice of the Mass is propitiatory. Mm. That's that word that's sometimes yeah. translated atonement. Mm-hmm. So the Mass is propitiatory. It makes atonement both for the living and the dead. It goes on to say at least one more time in that paragraph, yeah. it is truly propitiatory. Mm. So I have a, we have friends, um, who are Roman Catholic and they were thinking about becoming Protestant. And they said, the only thing that's really holding them back uh, was the fact that we don't have the mass. Mm. And I may have told the story before on the pact. I don't recall, I don't know you have, yeah. but I said, you know, 
in all actuality, we never will. We're not right. I, yeah. I said something to the effect that if it really is what they say it is, don't leave the Catholic Church. Hmm. Yeah, um, because I will never tell you that what we do here. Uh, with the Eucharist makes propitiation, makes atonement right. for your sins. Yeah. Because that happened once and for all right. yeah. in time, in space, in history, on the cross. Um, and actually under the Council of Trent, I'm anathematized yeah. because I deny the propitiatory nature of the sacrifice. It is not true. It is not there. Read Hebrews chapter 9. Read First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 to 14. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Once for all, once, once for, for all. Yeah. Uh, it's it's settled. It's done. It is finished. All of this is. Let, let's just be frank, dear listeners. All of this is extremely offensive. Yeah, yeah. This is very, very offensive to you if you believe in the once and for all finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and that propitiation that happened once and for all settled. And it should be offensive. Yeah. It should be the height of offense, if you will. Yeah. It's all I can do to show my love and support for a, a family member or a neighbor or a friend and attend a Catholic funeral. In yeah. some ways I feel guilty for even being there and yeah. now being completely outraged. And I'm not saying I don't love the person who's died or their family members, but I, or the people there, I'm saying I absolutely detest and am extremely offended yeah. by what, what is meant by what they're doing there because of the sufficiency of the work of my Savior, the Lord Jesus. Yeah, yeah, because they are saying they are sacrificing the Lord Jesus Christ every yes. time they do the Mass. Yes, it is. Every time. It's a propitiatory atoning sacrifice of Christ time and time again. Yep. And it, it denies the sufficiency of his once-for-all sacrifice for yes. those who believe. It, it indeed does. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So now that we've covered that hard stuff— Boy. Um, it's such a heartbreaker, and it's so sad. And yet, I I, I love talking to people who are Roman Catholic. I, I like to say I love Roman Catholics. I just don't love Roman Catholicism. Yeah, but I love talking to them because they 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 say they believe the Bible, and so uh, so many times, you know, over and over again, people say, "Oh, I didn't realize the Bible taught what it taught, and my church teaches what it teaches." And before you know it, they end up saying, "Well, you know what? I, I don't think I'm Catholic anymore." Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's really good and yeah. positive and glorifies Christ. Yeah. Because of His work. Yeah. And I think that goes to another major difference uh, of Catholicism and Protestants is that of authority, yes. and where the ultimate authority lies. Yes. Uh, because a lot of times, uh, for the for the Protestants, we're going to say it's Scripture, and Scripture alone uh, is God's authoritative word to us. And whereas, you know, even in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we have that it's sacred tradition and sacred scripture make up a single sacred deposit of the word of God in which, as in a mirror, the pilgrim church contemplates God, the source of all her riches. They're going to get at tradition. You receive your authority from the church. It's not sola scriptura. It's, as we've said before on the Pactum, sola ecclesia. Indeed. Right? Because they're going to say, well, what we're going to say is, where, where is this? This stuff's not in the Bible. Right, yeah. Where is, it, where is this? Well, it doesn't need to be in the Bible. They're going to say, well, because you don't understand the Bible rightly because yeah. you don't have sacred tradition. We are sacred tradition yep. because you can receive special revelation uh, outside of Scripture. Yeah. And so that's where this stuff comes from. Never mind the fact that it's contrary to Scripture. Right. So if your sacred tradition was so sacred, it wouldn't be contrary to Scripture, which it clearly ends up being. 
Right. Mike, I do have something here that I bought at the Vatican bookstore. Oh. Um, and it is a medallion. I thought it was a, it looks like a coin. Maybe they had coins as well. Uh, but it's a coin and it has the image of Pope Benedict on it. Uh, he recently died and there was a funeral and it was in the news. Mm-hmm. But it says what it says on so many things in Rome and so many things that are Catholic. Uh, it has his name on it. And then it says Pont, P-O-N-T, period. And then it says Max, period, M-A-X, period. Pont, Pont Max. Max. And you see it all over Rome. Mm. Well, it stands for Pontifex Maximus. Pontifex Maximus. Which means the ultimate, ultimate. mediator. Mm. See, that fits yeah. the authority thing. Oh, sure, if yeah. He's, if he's the ultimate mediator on earth, well, yeah, that, there's, a, there's a lot of authority to there's that. A, yeah. It would make sense that they can say the things that they say and turn the bread into the actual body and the wine into the actual blood because you're talking about the ultimate mediator with the Pope, uh, which, again— Look for it in the Bible. You're not going to find it. We are going to talk about Peter here in just a little while yeah, and right. talk about objections. Yeah. But we, we're all for tradition, but we don't think our traditions are on par in the same category as sacred scripture. Right. Because scripture claims to be, to be sufficient as special revelation, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Also look at Protestant confessions that don't trash tradition. Right. They, yeah. they see tradition as good, but it's not on par with special revelation, but Rome puts them equal. And guess what happens in practicality? It's the tradition actually the is. Tradition yeah. tr- Tradition ends up trumping Yeah, it, it does. It does. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk about objections yes. uh, to some of these things we've talked about. Yeah. Well, the first one, you mentioned Peter just a moment ago. Uh, Peter was the first pope. That I've heard that time and time again. Okay. Peter was the first pope. Well, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a big statue of him uh, uh, outside of the, at the Vatican. He's got the keys, yes. so you know it's Peter. Yep. And the reason he has the keys in that statue is because of Matthew 16, which is the Pope Pope proof text. The Pope. Proof I almost said text. the Pope. The Pope text. The Pope text. <laughs> so you should be aware of this, listeners, because it's a, a common go-to. Yeah. But in Matthew 16, it says, "Oh, I'm just going to kind of jump in the middle. We could go 15, 16, 15 to 19. But how about just?" 1618. Yeah. Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Hmm. So there you have it. There it um, is. Peter's the first Pope because Jesus says upon this rock, I will build my church. Uh, but we would say, hold on just a second. Right. Yeah. Hold your pontificate Maximus horses <laughs> <laughs> is what we would say. Uh, because, we think everything Jesus says there is true. Yes, um, it is. Indeed, it is true. Upon this rock, he will build his church. Uh, some Protestants want to say it's not Peter. They want to say it's Peter's declaration. We're not here to create a war over it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm okay with just, just saying, along with a lot of other Protestants, he's talking about Peter. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. if you are a Pactum listener and you don't think he's talking about Peter, um, Jesus loves you. It's okay. <laughs> you can have a different view. But people like Brodus, who would have been, I think, maybe the first president of Southern Seminary, commentator on the commentator on Matthew, for example, and he was pretty Protestant last time I checked. Mm, yeah, <clears throat> I think so. Excuse me. There are others as well. But he would say, no, it's, it's Peter, and there's no problem with uh, Peter being the one upon whom Jesus is going to build his church uh, because he does build the church on the apostles. Sure. Yeah, yeah. 
So Ephesians Ephesians 2.20, right? Ephesians 2.20, the foundation of the church would be the apostles and the prophets. Christ is the cornerstone. So I have no problem whatsoever. I think it's actually a stronger argument to say, yeah, he's talking about Peter and the other apostles. And guess what? We don't have any anymore. Right. No more apostles. One of the ways you had to to qualify to be an apostle is you had to see the risen Christ, according to what Paul says in his Corinthian letters. Yes. Yeah. So you don't have to jump through gyrations and grammatical this, that, and the other thing. Right. Uh, Although you can if you want to. You can. Yep. But you don't need to. But there's still right. not. There's nothing there about him being the the pontificate. The, the pontificate, right? Yeah. yeah. So don't be scared. Yeah, it's right? okay. Those yep. those are not Catholic verses. We got this. Those are Protestant verses. They are. <laughs> is what those are. Okay. So how? Here's another objection for you. What about uh, the fact that Jesus taught transubstantiation? You know, in John chapter six, when <gasps> oh, he says, "Indeed, in that verse time fifty four, yeah. whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life." There you go. No? Protestant friends, you, those are our verses. <laughs> they are not their verses. They're not. So just calm down, take a pactum breath, and uh, sit on the pactum couch if necessary. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, right? Yep. It's true. In John chapter 6, verse 53 and 54, in that section there, uh, he does say, you must, wh- whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood, you have etern- has eternal life. Right, yeah. But you should read it in context. Yes. Uh, And he is talking about belief and he's using the image of eating uh, something because of, he says, I'm the bread of life. Yes. But if you back up to 635 and following, it's about belief. And then if you work your way through the passage in verse 47 of John 6, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Then Mm. he says, I'm the bread of life. So it is a metaphor. Read our lips through your earbuds. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Uh-huh. And I remember having a Bible study with friends who were Catholic on John chapter 6, and I love it that my friend said, well, obviously this is metaphorical because they, Jesus is right there with them, mm. and they wouldn't be you know, taking a bite out of his arm. Right, yeah. And I thought, it's kind of a crass way of looking at yes, it. Yes, it is. But good job right. having your brain turned on and not being confused by crazy church church dogma. Yep. Never mind the fact that it's against the Old Testament, Old Covenant law to drink blood. Oh, sure. Yeah. Jesus would not be saying, and now I want you all to be lawbreakers. Mm. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Just keep, just keep calm. It's okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those are our verses, not their verses. Um So we better keep things moving. Okay, sacred tradition. Here's another objection. Sacred tradition is equal to Scripture as special revelation. Oh, because 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says so, Yeah, yep. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions. Ah, fiddler on the roof. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to sing. Okay. I thought you might, though, since you're the music guy. I'm going to pass. Okay. (laughs) To the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Hmm. There you go. So it is a common proof text to say, see, it can be spoken word or it can be by letter, but it is sacred tradition. And we would just say, actually, the reality is he's talking about things that are in that text that are past, not ongoing. He's not, he's surely, there's nothing in there that would cause you to go, oh, he's going to talk about, you know, Mary being the co-redeemer later on. Yeah. Uh, no. And he's pointing to things that, that were taught by us. Remember the 
apostles are on the ground still. They're still alive. And oftentimes they're saying things and then they're writing them down and back and forth. And so it's not really a very strong proof text for their case. Hmm. Um, we're not living then and they're not looking toward the future. So what do we have? We have what's inscripturated that was spoken true, but also written down by the apostles. And so we're going to go with it. Right. Okay. Final objection here. Okay. Roman Catholicism gave you the Bible. You wouldn't have a Bible without us. Mm. And yeah, that, that, that's a, that's one they like to lead with. Yes, How did is. you get your Bible your to Bible begin came with? From us. Yeah, and we gave it to you. Yeah. This gets, we have to get a little ahead of ourselves, but the reality is we, we don't have Roman Catholicism as it is now till quite some time later sure. after we already had the canon, yep. after we already knew what books in the Bible were to belong in the Bible. So there is that issue. Uh, but we should also recognize that scripture has been identified. It has been, let me use a better word, recognized hmm. um, by believers from even the New Testament times. So Peter recognized Paul's yep. writings as scripture. Yep. And he talks about it in Second Peter. He didn't need a church council to figure out what belonged in the Bible and what didn't belong in the Bible. Right. So if you want to do more reading on this, there's good stuff that's been written about it. Yeah. Yep. Um, in detail, but even to pull that clip from uh, the Reformation Study Bible, the article that's in there by Robert Godfrey. Yeah. Yeah. He says, uh, Rome has argued that the Bible rests on the church rather than the church on the Bible. While it is true that local churches existed before the New Testament canon was completed, the churches came into being by the preaching of the Word of God. In fact, using Rome's own argument that only the decisions of ecumenical councils accepted by a pope are truly determinative, the church would not have had a certain canon until after the Council of Trent in 1560. Which they don't say, right? right? So right. it's a it's a lame argument. It's a bogus kind of argument. So be informed, be aware. There's more things you could study to go in detail if you needed to. Right. But I think that's probably enough for now. Right. So let's move into talking about uh, some advice to fellow Protestants as they're thinking about Roman Catholicism, engaging with uh, maybe fellow uh, friends that are Roman Catholic. Uh, What's some advice we'd give to This them? is maybe the part I've been waiting for okay. because uh, We're here. I, I think we have some some experience living in a Catholic town yep, yep. and uh, being a Christian for some time. So let, a few pointers that you want to keep in mind uh, as fellow Protestants, though if you're Catholic and you're listening, we're glad that you are. Yep. But let's start by saying it's important that you go for the major ex, major and accepted sources. So yes, yeah. don't, don't go for, I alluded to it earlier, you know, some, some really weird wonky view that a person who says they're Catholic sure. holds to in the yeah. middle of New Mexico or, or wherever. Right, yeah. Um, because that's not Catholic doctrine. Right. So we, we all have people who say they're part of the same religion as us, and they say crazy things. Yes, and we're yeah. like, hey, they, they don't represent yeah, me. That don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't let me don't in with that. Yeah. But when we talk about the Council of Trent, that's official, official church doctrine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the catechism is also helpful to, yeah. to stick with the official uh, catechism and what it actually says. Right. Uh, I referenced that book called The Glories of Mary earlier. Well, that, that doesn't, that's not official Catholic doctrine. Sure, yeah. Although the quote I read from uh, mirrors official Catholic doctrine. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is that. Yeah, helpful to be able to point back and say, do you know what they really believe and teach about these things when yes. you're talking with someone. And yeah. we may have misrepresented a certain nuance or something today on this episode, but by and large, we're trying to quote Trent. We're trying to quote the catechism. Right. Even talking about Mary being a co-redemptrix, maybe that's not official Catholic doctrine, but popes have held to it yes. and promoted it. Right. 
And so it's it seems pretty official. Yeah, it um, seem, yeah that does seem uh, pretty it's, official. It's, it's pretty mainstream anyway. Right, sure, yeah. Another thing we would recommend is that you would appeal to Scripture when you're talking to Roman Catholics mm. because they they have a Bible. I, when I used to do Bible studies with Roman Catholic friends, they would bring their Catholic Bible. And yep. uh, strangely enough, they, they had one that had notes in it that were pretty theologically liberal at times, mm. but it it still worked. I could preach the gospel from a uh, from a, a Catholic Bible. Sure. Uh, so, and remember, the Word of God is powerful. So, you want them to read the verses. You want them to see with their own eyes what the Bible teaches in Hebrews ten. Yes. Or yeah. in John chapter six yep. that he's using it as a metaphor, eating and drinking for believing. Uh, you want them to see it for their for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Another thing we want to do is remember to speak the truth. Uh, we've said some hard things today on this episode. Uh, hopefully, only the Lord knows, but hopefully we've said it because we love people mm. and uh, we want people to be shocked and troubled if need be. So yeah. we, we don't want to say, oh, it's all fine. And we all talk about Jesus. So we're all, all right. Christians. Yeah. That's not what the spirit of Galatians 1 teaches. Uh, the problem was not is Jesus real or not? The problem was, how do you receive the benefit of his work? And it's by faith alone or not by faith alone. Yep. So keep that in mind. Um, maybe another thing we would want to say is, is don't equate confessionalism with Catholicism. Hmm. Some, some of you folks are coming out of a kind of a biblicist mindset where sure. it's just me and Jesus and my Bible or something. Well, Protestants have confessions, not because they think those confessions uh, are new revelation or right. special revelation. Right, right. No, the Bible alone is, but we're writing down what we think the Bible means by what it says yep. so we can be examined. Yes. And so it can be critiqued if necessary. Yep. So totally different animal. Yes, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Protestant, conf- uh, the Westminster Confession, the Second London Confession, uh, other confessions that are Protestant confessions, none of them are claiming to be Scripture. In fact, they all go out of their way to say, right. this is not special revelation. Right, yep. So yep. They're, they're very different from a catechism, very different from Catholic dogma. Yep, yeah. And so keep that in mind. Yes. Any, what, what other kind of tips do we have, Mike, in the tip jar? Um, <laughs> the tip jar. I was at a restaurant today, and I was going to put a, money in the tip jar because it was credit card only, and I usually don't have any cash. Oh, sure. And I wanted to give a tip at the Jimmy John's uh, sandwich place, and I only had a dollar, and like the lady was watching me, and I felt cheap. <laughs> so I gave nothing. <laughs> so so maybe next time I need maybe, to have more than a dollar. Yeah. Well, that was just my confession. Okay. Well, you're absolved here on the pactum absolfum. <laughs> we, we we do have that. So. Oh man. How about um, not giving ground on who is actually Catholic? This is a good. Yeah. One. So. Think in terms of Catholic means universal. Right. Yes. So we believe in one holy and Catholic and one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Yes. Uh, that's not a Roman Catholic no, thing. No, no. Uh, that's not what is meant by that. Yeah. We, it's, it means universal. Right. So we are part of the Catholic church uh, as Protestants who uphold the doctrine of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Yes. And we would say actually provocatively uh, that the Roman Catholic church is actually deviating from True Catholicism. True Catholic. Yeah, 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 yeah. So who's the true Catholic? We are. We could have a game. Right. Game. Catholic, not a Catholic. Catholic, not a Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> so think you, of it like a tree trunk, right? Sometimes people use that as an illustration. Yes. Yeah. Keep talking. Yeah. So the tree trunk is Catholic, 
lowercase lower c, c, right, yeah, universal good. church, and that trunk is what we're connected to, but then it's not that the trunk is Roman Catholic good. with Protestants branching off from there. Like so you've the got, weird weird cousins. Right. So it's the, it's the <laughs> other way around, lowercase c trunk, yes. Catholic universal church, Roman Catholic branching the, off. The, if we can get that in our minds, it would really help, yes. right? So yes. we're, we're going to say we're a part of, uh, throughout Christian history— uh, there's been a church. There have been believers. Uh, as we like to say on the Pactum, sometimes we've had some weird relatives yep, yep. that maybe we didn't want to be related to anymore. Right. Um, and maybe we've even asked them to leave the family. Yeah. <laughs> right? There have, been, there have been people who have deviated from sound doctrine. Yes. There has been that. Uh, but what, what we are saying is um, we're tied to the once and for all delivered to the saints' yes, faith, yes. That, that church. Yes. Yep. And so the, the Protestant Reformation recovered some important biblical doctrines. Um, but recovered them to get back to true Catholicity. Yes. Yep. But the Roman Catholic person is going to present it to you as they are the trunk. We're the we're the crazy cousins. Yep. Yep. Um, when in actuality, we should say no. And and it, all of this became official when you officially at Trent damned the gospel. Right. And you made it clear that you actually are not part of the Catholic Church yes. when you did that. Yes. Yep. So that really, really helped me when I first came to understand yep. that. Yeah, I think that's important. It's helpful. Yep. So church history is our history. It's not their history. Yep. Our history does not start at the Protestant Reformation. Yep. It goes back before then. But you might be reading some of the earlier church history saying, I don't like what that person said, well, that's okay. That, mm-hmm. It's a deviation. Right. Um, but Christianity doesn't start with the Protestant Reformation. Right. Protestantism, yes. we would say, doesn't start at the Protestant Reformation. Correct. We're tied to the Church Catholic. Yes, the Catholic okay. Church. <laughs> so then when we talk about people like Augustine, yep. um, and, and, or Augustine, if you prefer, <laughs> when we talk about Augustine, we say, actually, he's our guy. Yeah, and right. Rome, Rome is going to say, "No, no he's our yeah. guy." Yeah, yeah. We're going to say, "Actually, he's ours." Um, we don't agree with everything he taught or believed, right? Um, but when you actually read what he taught and believed, he sounds a lot more like us, us. than he actually yeah. sounds like you. Right. Which is why someone like John Calvin drew upon him so uh, extensively. Right. Yes. Right. Yep. It's like it's like Calvin is calling the Roman Catholic Church back to Augustinianism, right? Yeah. Instead of their semi-Pelagianism. Yep. Yep. So he's our guy, uh, though we might not agree with all of his theology. Uh, generally speaking, we do. Yeah. So there's that. Yep. Maybe one more point that we would want to offer as far as a pointer, if you've hung in with us this long. Yes. Uh, and that would be if you, for example, if you have a podcast, uh, if you have a show, uh, if you have a radio show, if you have a YouTube channel, uh, if you have a magazine, if you host a Roman Catholic priest on your show uh, and you stress agreement and there might be some agreements, be sure to offer a qualifier, please, mm. um, because they're playing for the wrong team when it comes to the gospel. Yeah. And uh, they are part of a system that is officially anathematized, uh, justification sola fide. Right. And so it bothers us uh, because we're pastors and we recommend said podcasts and magazines and radio shows sometimes and theologians and it really sends mixed signals sure. so yep. you don't have to attack them when you have them on your show perhaps to talk about something like natural law yep. or something like that or the value of life mm-hmm. but let's let's cordially perhaps but let's let's be clear that we actually have differences um that that will cause us to not see each other in heaven yeah 
Yep. It's, it's that big. It's, of a deal. it's important. Yeah. Just to help bring clarity there. And that would be if we had a Pactum um, complaint box, uh, that would be in the Pactum complaint box. There you go. And too many Protestants. <laughs> too many Protestants. Don't make this clear enough for <laughs> us. All right. Let's wrap up right. the show. Yeah. Mike. What are some benefits of studying Catholic doctrine? Man, it is so helpful to study Catholic doctrine because if you do, it'll help you to not sound like a Catholic if you're a Protestant. Right. Yep. <laughs> if you. you understand their view of justification, you won't preach Roman t- Romans. 2.13 and sound like right. you're, you're Roman Catholic. Right, yes. So it really, really is value valuable. It'll help you to understand your tradition better if you understand their tradition better. Yep. Uh, as a sparring partner, if you will. Yep. It'll help you not to promote a pope as a wonderful Christian man when they died, which one just did. Yep. You might say, I'm so thankful that they were a clear thinker. I'm thankful that they stood for life. I'm thankful that they contributed in these ways. But you won't say they're a wonderful Christian example who right. championed the gospel, which people are saying, unfortunately, yeah. uh, because they are part of a system that promotes the anathematizing right. <laughs> of imputation right. of yeah. Christ's righteousness by faith. Yep. Yep. So it'll help you understand writers like N.T. Wright, who sounds very Roman Catholic and not Protestant and not Pauline. Right. Yep. Um, I think so many people who promote N.T. Wright wouldn't as Protestants if they only understood Catholic doctrine better. Uh, I suppose the list could go on. Sure. So study Catholicism, study original sources. Uh, I found it to be so helpful at understanding the Reformation as well as the Bible, because it helps you to understand a good contrast. Yeah. And finally, understand because, uh, study Catholicism because you'll see that in uh, really ridding and stripping people of something like the doctrine of assurance, uh, you'll see mm-hmm. how important it is to stress the biblical doctrine of assurance. You'll be all the more committed uh, to telling people what Romans 8 1 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And who doesn't want to hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what weary sinner like us doesn't mm. want to hear that we, when we believe in Jesus, know that there's no future condemnation because of Christ. Uh, Rome despises assurance as we mm. know it. Yeah. And uh, it's one of the reasons for the Reformation. Yeah. And it's one of the most wonderful things that there possibly could ever be to know that you are accepted by God because he's accepted you in the beloved, mm. the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you all for being a part of the Pactum Verse and listening here today. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us online on Twitter, on Instagram. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. You can also visit our website, thepactum.org. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Pactum.